0: When you hear the word robot, what do you think of it?
1: You may think of a robot as a mechanical creature that walks around.
0: For me personally, it's lots of, you know, metal cubes, flailing arms, not really coordinated. Like you would knock it over. Then it would like be super dependable, always there for you. How can I assist you this afternoon? Kind of human-like. Now imagine a robot designed specifically to collect samples on another planet. What would it be made of? What would its function be? What if I told you that robots like this are in development right now and they look nothing like what you're imagining. In fact, they're designed to look like worms. From the studios of Cincinnati Public Radio, I'm your host, Dean Regas, and this is Looking Up. show that takes you deep into the cosmos or just to the telescope in your backyard to learn more about what makes this amazing universe of ours so great. Our guest this week is Dr. Reedy Das, postdoctoral researcher at the University of Freiburg in Rieskau, Germany, an engineer developing an earthworm-like robot for use around the solar system. Well, this is going to be exciting talking about different types of robots. And I, you know, I was kind of joking a little bit about robots. I actually don't picture humanoid looking robots that much. I don't know if it's maybe because they kind of creep me out a little bit. Like some of those new ones that can like throw baseballs and dance. I don't know. Uh, but I think really the the ones that strike me as like real robots are the cars on Mars like the rovers. You know, they have the names like Spirit and Opportunity and Perseverance and Curiosity. This is what you think of when you think robots also. They have these six wheels and somebody on Earth is driving them. But there's some drawbacks to these things. First, if you're gonna be driving a a car on Mars, there's a big lag time. You have to say, okay, I want the car to drive forward 10 feet and turn right. And then at the speed of light, that takes somewhere on the order of 8 to 25 minutes for the signal to get there, if you're going to Mars especially. So you say, go forward 10 feet, turn right, and send. So that goes to the robot, it does it. And then you don't know if it did it for 30, 40 minutes. And so the idea is, can we make something that's a little more autonomous Sometimes a robot can't wait for mission control. It has to make decisions on its
1: own. This ability is called autonomy.
0: And the rovers are, in a sense, able to do this. They have some technology in them that allow them to adjust for the terrain, adjust for things that are in the way. They can do this in a semi-autonomous way. So there's some ideas. How can you make other kind of rovers and other kind of robotic crafts? The latest mission was a pretty good one where they sent that rover that had the helicopter or the drone called Ingenuity, but you can't fly it in real time. You have to program it ahead of time, and so it could make these kind of leaps and fly around different parts of Mars. But there's other ones that are on the table that could be really interesting. <laughs> We're going to be learning about one that crawls a little closer to the ground, but there's also ones that are like balls that can like shoot off, have this piston that comes out and shoots off and then it can roll down the hill a little bit and go somewhere to investigate things. So it doesn't have to be exactly like six wheels and driven and this kind of thing. It could be flying. It could be bouncing. It could be rolling. And with the technology that we have now, the things don't have to be gigantic. You think, well, so why do we have to make them so big? Let's make them smaller and less like humans, please, because they're too creepy when they're like humans. Although I don't know, we're going to be talking about worm-shaped robots, which I don't know if that's better or worse, but I'm excited to talk about this with Dr. Dots. Thanks for doing this this morning.
1: No, no, thanks a lot for inviting me. It's really a pleasure. So I'm uh, Riddhidas, uh, Dr. Riddhidas. exactly. Yeah. I'm a postdoctoral researcher at yeah, University of Freiburg.
0: What made your team choose earthworms for inspiration?
1: Because it's one of the most common uh, natural burrows that you get to see. Like if you go to your backyard or your garden and you use a shovel, you generally see some of these little creatures wriggling around. If you see like uh, earthworms, their uh, biology and their anatomy is very well studied, so you can exactly get all the literature and all the information about the biology uh, right at your hands. And along with that, like if you consider the other contemporary burrowers, most of them generally use uh, like their uh, claws, nails or other appendages in order to create the burrows and then move inside. Whereas the earthworms being entirely soft, they're quite unique because uh, in spite of being soft they're able to create these kind of uh, tunnels and they can move inside these tunnels and make their way through it. So that's why we took inspiration from earthworms because also our lab focuses on soft robots. so uh, this is the exact soft animal which we were looking for as an inspiration.
0: What's the this robot made of? You know, it's not like hard metals, it's not rigid. Uh, yeah what's what's the composition of these?
1: Presently, the robot has like uh, five actuator modules, and then the tip there's one uh, tip module. If you look into the biology of the earthworms, the earthworms generally have a totally segmented body, entirely soft. And each of the segments, uh, considering them like cylindrical segments, they basically have a constant volume of fluid. Technically, it's called the silomic fluid. And this fluid cannot pass on to the external uh, segments because there are like muscles which prevent it from passing. And on the external side, and the circular way, there are like two sets of muscles, basically the longitudinal and circular muscles. And these muscles, when they act alternately on these segments, generally, this uh, cylindrical segments change in shape. So basically, they either elongate or they become bulge out, like radially expand. Basically, uh, when this alters in shape to the entire body, it forms wave patterns. And in in this way, it actually moves. So uh, this thing we also like translated in our robot actuator module, where with positive pressure and negative pressure, we were able to generate like uh, elongation and also radial expansion. Now this elongation and radial expansion is pretty important because this elongation actually helps the robot or the earthworm to move and the radial expansion actually helps the uh, system to anchor to the surroundings.
0: Some nervous impulses coordinate the movement of the body and extension and retraction of the bristles. The bristles enable the earthworm to hold on to the slippery sides of the burrow and withdraw into it.
1: So uh, we replicated that in our uh, robot. And considering about the materials, I would say uh, it was totally made with flexible materials, like elastomeric materials, and uh, which made the robot uh, flexible towards the surroundings. The main idea about developing a soft robot is that it has to be flexible because it can adapt to external surroundings and it can move over uneven terrain.
0: Well, that seems like a huge plus because, you know, we think of the normal rovers as, you know, they get stuck quite a bit sometimes. And so there's pluses to having different ways of locomotion. You you mentioned kind of digging and tunneling. How is that important for these space missions to like get below the surface?
1: One of the important applications for developing a borrowing robot also from a Space perspective is planetary excavation, because that's one of the main target applications. So the idea is like that we envision that in the future uh, there would be like planetary rovers which would carry this kind of borrowing robots. Now presently, I think with the present state of the art, it is possible to develop like a probe inside this uh, inside the planetary regolith and collect some samples from there.
0: Digging on the Earth and digging on the Moon are two incredibly different tasks. The Moon is a vast desert of dust, several inches thick. This moon dust is called Lunar Regolith because it's technically not soil. Soil is defined by having organic content. Uh, In the future, with this kind of
1: burrowing, robots, what we can do is like we can deploy them and they would be able to autonomously move around and burrow and can collect uh, samples, like soil samples, and
0: then it can return back for
1: further analysis to the rover.
0: And then of course, these are gonna be on different planets or different worlds. You can't really like drive them in real time. They can be kind of semi-autonomous, say, okay, we want you to go here and do this task and it can get there kind of thing. Right now, the newest version is actually able to also uh, bend. So that's why it can uh,
1: change its direction. And the tip, uh, we have also included four sensors in the tip, so basically it's able to understand the penetration force while it's moving. So the idea is like in the future that the robot itself is able to understand the amount of uh, resistance it has to face in the front and changes uh, locomotory patterns. So either it moves its head from time to time in order to reduce the resistance in front. And if it sees that the resistance is not enough, it directly starts locomoting and it falls a particular gate pattern, depending on the uh, medium it is moving in.
0: Well, it seems like a whole different field of robotics in a lot of ways. What kind of challenges are you facing in the design process? In my case, one of the challenges I mostly faced while
1: developing the robot was generating this uh, radial force and also longitudinal force. So if I look into uh, most of the state of the earth from robots, what we see is like they uh, toggle between two different configurations, where they elongate and then go back to their original shape. But in case of uh, my robot, basically it toggles between three configurations where it starts from a neutral state. It, uh, with positive pressure, it basically elongates each of the modules, And with negative pressure, it radially expands and anchors to the surface. So this change in configuration, when it travels through the entire body in a systematic way, it generally constitutes a wave. Now this wave pattern, when it uh, passes through the entire body, it interacts with the surroundings and creates some uh, friction. And because of this friction, it's uh, possible to move over the environment. Since we are able to generate this kind of radial forces, we solved one of the crucial elements in the design problem. And we were able to move in different medium with different kinds of gate patterns. From a personal perspective, I'd say like uh, while developing this robot, uh, because it uh, in my PhD, uh, I started with soft robotics, which was totally new for me. Before this, uh, the robotics I was doing was mostly traditional robots, so with rigid motors and stuff. So here I learned a lot about uh, soft actuated technologies and soft fabrication methods. So that was also quite challenging for me in the beginning.
0: Well, it's fascinating to find inspiration from actual biology, you know, how earthworms actually move on earth. What was it like to kind of incorporate the natural world, the biology of an animal into a robotic entity?
1: Yeah, it's, it's really something like, I mean, I used to design robots from a different point of view, but then understanding uh, bioinspiration took me quite some time. It's not exactly biomimicry because in biomimicry, what we think about is what we see in the nature. We try to replicate that exactly in the system, but it's not going to happen because nature has also perfected it with years of evolution, so we can't like exactly replicate it that. But what we try to incorporate in our robot is uh, what we see in the nature and what could be useful and then try to transform some of the design principles from it into our robot.
0: Well, how does somebody get started in the field of robotics? How did you get started working in this field? My background
1: was in mechanical engineering, and um, the thing that interested me mostly in the aspect of uh, robotics was uh, robot design. I would say from an inspiration point of view, I was pretty much interested with like Transformers, Gundam and all this kind of stuff. So that interested me quite a lot, and then Coming into robot design, I understood that how uh, each of the components face different kinds of forces and challenges while moving inside a real robust environment. So these are the aspects from a mechanical point of view. But obviously, if you want to get started in robotics, I would say, like, first, also understand a bit about the electronics. Like, there are a lot of, um, like... Uh, resources outside because uh, you can get started with an Arduino and can do some basic sensor stuff. And obviously, there's also the part about coding the robot. So basically, there's a lot of uh, open source libraries available. So this, I would say, is like a starter pack for getting into robotics. And then it's mostly like your own area or your own interest, which you would want to like focus on.
0: Well, so what's next for these wormy robots? Are they scheduled to visit any other planet anytime soon? I would
1: say it's a pretty early stage in the research, but yeah, obviously a lot of work is being done and uh, what we are trying to explore is trying to make them much more autonomous. And also another important thing that we have to do in order to make the robots like real world deployable, I would say is uh, so that we can remove soil particles through the robot. Because in order to move inside a granular medium or a very robust soil environment, it has to also remove soil from through the robot, which also the real earth front does. So this is also like one of the things that uh, we want to implement in our robot. And also uh, along with that, there's the thing about making it autonomous so that it can sense its environment and can
0: act on it. Is Mars the most likely candidate for something like this? I mean, it can be any planet. So uh, obviously if if we make a robust
1: robot able to move a different uh, medium here, then we can try it uh, anywhere.
0: And big question, have you ever uh, introduced real earthworms to the earthworm robot? Uh, No, not yet. There's a pretty big size difference, I would imagine. What's what's the typical size of the the robots? The,
1: The robot is about around 50 millimeter in diameter. So it's bigger than the real earthworms, But uh, we uh, obviously had thoughts about reducing its size, but uh, once we reduce in size, there are also other problems because the actuation could be difficult because it has a lot of components inside in the sense there is like a bellowship component, which actually helps in this kind of uh, configuration change. And also there's this uh, fluid inside and the external surrounding medium. So there are several components, but reducing them uh, to a much lesser would be difficult, but I won't say it's possible, but yeah, maybe in the later on we can uh, achieve that.
0: Well, this has been really fascinating and I can't wait to see where these robots end up and how your research goes. Best of luck with it. Thanks so much for talking with me today. Thanks a lot. Thanks
1: for uh, having me.
0: Well, I think that robots are gonna be part of our lives here on earth and in space. It is kind of fun to think about the different ways we can go about exploring the universe because we're going out into a place, into an environment that is not very good for us. Every place in space, all the moons, all the planets, we would die in five seconds if we were on them. Yeah, well, if you didn't have the space suit and all that kind of stuff. the robots can withstand a lot of these things. And having them in different configurations and different ways are going to be really fascinating. So I want you to think a little bit about this. What kind of robots would you see as being helpful here on Earth? Because we have a lot of applications that extend not just to space travel, but there's places with challenging environments here on Earth, too. Think about what might be good for that and let us know. If you have any uh, questions comments or suggestions for future topics you can always email us at looking up at wvxu.org looking up with dean regas is a production of cincinnati public radio ella rowan is our show producer and studio robot yep yep she's moved. she's doing the robot right now marshall Verbsky assists with the audio production and earthworm collection he's digging quit digging we, we got enough we got enough our theme song is Possible Light by Ziv Moran. I'm Dean Regis, and keep looking up.